everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. Happy Monday to you all. It's a brand new week in WWE, and it is hell in a cell week as well as that show is going down this Sunday from Chicago, Illinois. And it's a busy week for WWE in your house for NXT on Saturday and hell in a cell on Sunday. But we're happy to give you what you need to get ready for those two premium live events on Peacock. I'm Keela Cash, and as always, by my side is my right-hand man, my co-captain, the wise man, and sometimes advocate for one Von Wagner. I bring to you, as always, noted Golden State Warrior supporter and fan for life, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. You know, we were going to be you know, talking about, you know, the, the, sh- the shows for Hell in a Cell. This is pandemonium on the pod. Let me tell you something. I don't like Golden State. I don't rock with them. And I am not happy right now. I'm going to be sick for the next couple of weeks. Um, it's not my normal intro, Keela. It's always, it's well, let me rephrase that. It's usually a pleasure to be chopping it up with you and talking all things WWE in the week that was. It's been a rough week. Not only did I have to watch the Warriors advance to the finals, um, I had to watch, you know, nine hours of WWE TV. So it's been a, it's been a rough week. I'm so sorry you had to endure that. In no, fact, not. I'm not no, sorry. Not. I'm not because <laughs> not only did you have to watch the Warriors beat the Dallas Mavericks a few days ago, you had to watch a Von Wagner match. And that is like a double fate. I wouldn't wish on anyone except you. You know what? The worst part is I didn't hate the Von Wagner match, but let's get back to the Warriors thing for just just a, just a quick minute. I know I know we're, we're on a timetable here nowadays. Um, and, and shout out to, to Gigi. Another uh, noted Warriors fan. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of Warriors fans in the in the fight game media group. All of a sudden, apparently, that's a thing now. Um, I'm not rocking with any of you for at least a couple weeks. And I already told Keela, if the Warriors win the title, I, I, I'm gonna be sick for like a month. So I'm I'm put I'm, I'm using my PTO days for like a month. He's not. I'm just going to let you know that he will be here (laughs) to celebrate. There will be an on-air pep rally to celebrate the greatness of the Golden State Warriors. Absolutely not. Yes, three years of waiting for this to happen again. Four-time, soon-to-be NBA champions. And Scott Young celebrating the greatness Mm -mm. and the phenomenal gifts of Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Iggy, the whole crew winning the Golden he don't even play. Trophy. Well, listen, he can provide a block or two in the finals. <laughs> and, and we're not even going to get started on Steph Curry getting the first ever participation trophy. Oh, no, we, 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 we ain't going to get started on that. Like when we handing out participation trophies now. Now, how dare you? So because LeBron would have 10 of them. Well, if we, if is- we just handed out trophies, I'm just saying. Well, you know who to blame for this, don't you? Who? Who started all of this? The Miz Participation Award. (laughs) Everybody gets a certificate (laughs) for trying. It's all right. At least you tried. Uh, It's going to, you know, not only has it been a rough few weeks, it's going to be a rough, uh, it's going to be a rough hour here. It's going to be a rough show for me. Yes, and he is going to suffer, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to enjoy inflicting pain on him for the next hour or so. And it's deserved pain because his favorite guy did something on Monday that I could not believe, which we'll get to shortly. But let's start on a positive note, which is Riddle opening up Monday Night Raw from 
a lovely state that I cannot remember right now because it's been nearly seven days. It was a lovely state nonetheless. I feel like Vince McMahon. We don't acknowledge Evansville, Indiana, but I remember, damn it. I remember and appreciate that city and state, even though Vince can't say it out loud on TV. And Riddle, I thought, cut a really good promo about how much he wanted to win the now unified, undisputed tag team titles for Randy Orton, who's apparently going through a serious back injury. But as I told Scott last week on this very show, after he got beat up by the bloodline, he was dancing to Bianca Belair's theme song during a dark match. So I think Randy's back is fine in real life, but he's selling in storyline and therefore he's off TV for a bit. And that will lead to a great pop whenever Randy does return the WWE TV. What I liked about Riddle during this promo was the fact that he was able to be serious, not be a stoner for a change and speak from the heart. He was very emotional. And I like that. It's a way to build up a future contender for the undisputed universal champion, for the universal championship, I should say, and that you want Roman to face an opponent that would give him a run for his money. And Riddle has vowed to seek vengeance on the bloodline until his career is over. So he has a mission now to take out the bloodline one by one. So I appreciated this presentation of Riddle, a more serious Riddle that would be able to get over as a big time baby face in Randy Orton's absence. Yeah, I, I thought this was, an excellent promo from Riddle. I thought this was a composed, a a quiet rage that he kind of, you know, exuded. And that's not something that's very easy to do. So I, I thought he really knocked it out the park. You know, I've been saying this for a while when it comes to Riddle and this entire RK Bro story. The end game, I have to believe, is for Riddle to come out of this as a top guy. And I think promos like this where he's able to not only keep his kind of bro demeanor, but he's able to show that that rage. And that's what he had in NXT that had people just so engulfed because he, he was able to be this bro guy, but then he could flip the switch. And I just thought this promo was able to really kind of encapsulate that. And it has me excited to see the match. No, I don't think Riddle's going to beat Roman, but I think the crowd will be with it. And, you know, you touched on something. When Randy Orton does return, I think you've built up something now where Randy versus Roman at SummerSlam isn't a far-fetched thing. Like, that's that makes complete sense. And with Riddle on the outside, you kind of have a little bit of an equalizer. We're going to talk about it, you know, going into SmackDown. This story continued. He made, you know, he talked about wanting to go after the unified titles and vowed to get vengeance. And he gets a tag part, you know, he gets some backup going into SmackDown, which continues another story. They're continuing stories. So that's a great thing they're doing with these tag titles. Um, The Orton thing, I, I just... I think this is this is what needs to happen, whether it needs to be in storyline or just, you know, you take them off TV, giving guys a break, you know, and just not seeing them in rotation every week. This is going to make people want Randy, you know, when he does make that big comeback or hell, when he just shows up and RKO's Roman Reigns. The reaction is going to be deafening. He was already arguably the most over babyface on the roster. You know, you can make an argument for Drew McIntyre and probably Bianca Belair. Outside of that, Randy's, I mean, Randy was the guy, best hot tag in the business for going right now as far as tag teams go. And I, I just think this is a great move and really needs to be happening more, especially with your babyfaces. 
Yes, and I love it. And I cannot wait for the pop when Randy returns from the kayfabe injury. WWE did a very serious injury report this past Friday on SmackDown. He'll be out for some time, but I do see him returning just in time for SummerSlam in a couple of months. But I just love this more serious riddle. The presentation is everything. And WWE has an opportunity to tell a big umbrella storyline involving riddle and other people I'll get to shortly that can really give the bloodline a run for their money this summer. If WWE has the patience to go there, we'll dive into it with SmackDown momentarily. But I loved Riddle this Monday. He was serious. He was heartfelt. The fans are with him all the way. And that's all you can ask for. It gives you layers to Riddle's character. And I'm still torn on the end game to all of this. Yes, he'll be a bigger star. But I just keep thinking that he pays tribute to Randy with dripping DDTs, power slams, RKOs. And I wondered to myself, how well has Randy Orton taught his young pupil? At some point, either the teacher gets mad or the student surpasses the teacher and something blows up. And I would not be surprised if Riddle was the one to turn on Randy because Randy is so over as a babyface, And that would be a twist out of nowhere in the best possible way. That's how good the storyline is. They're great as a tag team, but the betrayal, preferably from Riddle, would really send things over the top for me. I'm still holding out as on Riddle as being the baby face coming out of this. I just, I, I think he draws more sympathy. Uh, you know, if, if I don't know if Randy draws that same sympathy. Yeah, he's over and he's got that, that respect factor. But as far as sympathy goes, I think Riddle really, and look at the sympathy he was able to draw, you know, even getting a, a little bit emotional during his promo, talking about what Randy did, you know, storyline-wise, being hurt going into the match, gutting it out through the match, and then be like, and if he can do that, well, I'm definitely going to get my venue. Like, I, I think that's, I think he's the. I think him babyface is the way to go, and I think Randy is just gonna ex, just love. He's already, he talks about loving being a heel and just being dastardly and being able to really do whatever he wants, and I think he would have a lot of fun doing that with Riddle. And I see, I mean, their chemistry is already there. They've had good matches against each other. You can tell what they do as partners. So I think Randy as the heel is still the way to go um, and Riddle coming out of it as the baby face. But this, that's a good thing about this is this story is, like you said, there are multiple ways you can go. It's not like you're, and if he, if Riddle does turn, like you said, it's going to be a great twist on it and Orton's going to be a great baby face. So I, this is a job well done by WWE, Orton and Riddle on having a story where you can go multiple directions. Yes, and I've seen Riddle go a little dark a couple of times in NXT when he was really in a spot of, we love this guy a little bit more than you, and he was able to switch on a dime, and I was really impressed with that. So I love his versatility to switch up when need be. That's why I'm advocating for the heel turn and let Randy's heart be broken. I had a friend, he stabbed me in the back, and here's a story. But at the same time, Riddle does also generate sympathy, and he's a great baby face. So you can't lose either way with this storyline because both guys are going to deliver via their promos, and ultimately, whenever the feud pops, off officially but I love them as a tag team and WWE slow burning this is the best thing they've done in a really long time in terms of advocating for tag teams at least on the men's side we'll leave the ladies alone this week because you know that needs a lot of help in that regard as we still wait for the non-existent start of the women's tag team championship tournament as we move on to some brief money in the bank news which will segue into our next topic in that the money in the bank pay-per-view was originally supposed to take place in Las Vegas Nevada 
Nevada at Allegiant Stadium. It's still going down on the same date for the July weekend. It will not be at Allegiant Stadium, though. It will be at the MGM Grand. It's a smaller venue. According to Michael Cole, it's more intimate. And from the moment that WWE announced that this year's Money in the Bank would go down in that big stadium in Las Vegas, I thought to myself, that's a bit ambitious. I don't think that you're going to really fill the house on 4th of July weekend. Plane tickets are very expensive. Hotels are high. Got a UFC show as well. I just thought it was a bit too much to make Money in the Bank a really big five pay-per-view in a stadium. So I thought it was too ambitious by WWE. They realized that as well. And they switched venues with about a month's notice and new tickets go on sale this Friday. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the initial announcement dating back to SummerSlam last year and the switch up this week with WWE changing venues and poor Cody Rhodes shot a whole goddamn ad for a show that's not taking place at Allegiant Stadium? I, you know, I think they took a shot and they missed. That's what happens. You know, when when you try to, to shoot for the moon and that's what that's what Khan is doing. Sometimes you just come up short and that's what happened. And I, I don't I don't look at stuff like this as, you know, a, a failure. You know, I you have to see where you're at. You have to gauge where your interests at and, you know, to see if you could sell out in Vegas on UFC fight week on 4th of July weekend. Like, I mean, that's a hell, that's a hell of a a task. You know, you put yourself behind the eight ball to begin with, but just to kind of gauge where you're at and whatnot, like I, I can't really look at that as a fail. Like you, I've always thought you always shoot higher than what you think you can do. And if you come up a little short, you come up a little short, but you always shoot for the top. You always try to do the, you always try to knock it out. So I don't have a problem with it because they've been trying to make money in the bank. One of the big pay-per-views. So, you know, one of the bigger events, I, I don't have an issue with it, especially in, in the idea. Do I think they probably could have picked a better week? For sure. Better location? Definitely. You know, just there's a lot of factors that went into it. Nick Khan got a little too big for his britches. You know, he saw he saw the other Khan doing his thing over there making moves. And he's like, well, let me go try to make some moves, too. And he, the pants were a little too big for him. It happens. Now he got it. He got humbled. And I, you know, I expect a nice recovery. So I think they just they shot too big. They miss. You move on. They got to take their L. And you move on. Yeah, it was a stumble, a misstep, and now you learn the lesson to never do this again. If you want the Money in the Bank pay-per-view to be a big show, then you make it a big show in a nice arena like Las Vegas. You do it in Chicago. You pick a nice venue that's intimate, to quote Michael Cole again, and you go from there. If you want to make it a destination show, so be it. But to run back-to-back stadium shows in less than a month, that was a bit much. Your key shows are the Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam. I don't see you hosting Survivor Series in a stadium. You know that's not going to draw. So you got to be realistic. It's a nice risk. And the one risk I will say the Nikon has done effectively is day one. We're getting it back in Atlanta the first of next year. I think that's a great idea. People are in town due to all the football festivities. It's the new year. You're in town having a good time. That's a great way to market yourself to kick off the new year. Now, granted, the new year is not going to fall on a Saturday or Sunday every single year, and you got to pivot eventually, but I like the concept. I like the idea of doing that to really co-sign on the new year for WWE, and that's a way to make this a destination show moving forward. Money in the Bank, 
it does not have the legs to be in a stadium and you don't want to book it back to back alongside SummerSlam. That's too much. It's too much traveling for fans halfway across the country, coast to coast. That was a lot to ask from your fans. And now they know the answer in that we'll go to one show two, not so much in a short amount of time. Yeah, I, I think the day one thing, I think that's kind of the way to go. If you want to if you want to make something else a stadium type show, I think kind of what you said, I think that's the way, day one is the way to go. I think it's already kind of established itself as a big deal. You had one of the biggest main events you could possibly put on with Brock versus Roman. It didn't happen, but that was the original match. And then we still got a five-way which was a really good match. So um, I, the the day one idea, I, I really like that. I think if you move money in the bank, though, you could have something there. Like if you move it around, because I'm with you on Survivor Series. You don't have to put that in a stadium. Like that can be in an arena. If you move money in the bank to around that time in the fall when not as much is going on, then maybe you have a shot at it. But as of right now, it's like, and there's nothing wrong with having a sold out arena and still making the event feel like a bigger deal, like still having it as a bigger event. Money in the Bank for the last few years has been a big event. John Cena returned last year at Money in the Bank. Edge uh, was was in the main event. It was Edge versus uh, Roman Reigns. That was a that's a big main event. So they've gone out of their way to make the event big. You don't have to put it in the arena to make the event feel big. Just put on the matches and have the big moments and that'll be enough exactly and cody is very proud to say back-to-back shows i've sold out the dunk and now all state arena in chicago next sunday that's impressive that's impressive to me that you move numbers in an arena that's big a stadium is lovely it's nice but the true metric is fans who are going to sell out arenas for you and they're there to see the card and i think it's time for wwe to stop under underestimating the quality of having an arena show the big stadium shows are nice on a saturday it's fantastic but those arena shows are a true metric of how popular you are how much you can fill the house of course the stadium show is going to be a travel event these pay-per-views and arenas that's a city market that's a way to really see how far engaged you are with your fan base and to sell out two back-to-back pay-per-views and arenas is good i expect the same for las vegas at mgm grand it's a bit short notice but people are being refunded for the show in las vegas at Allegiant stadium and they'll be good to go for next month i should say in july but you know it's just a misfire by wwe it's a mistake it's all good never do it again don't be that ambitious unless you really know that you can sell a stadium and just trust your talent above all else but most importantly read the room in terms of how much your fans are willing to pay for these stadium shows every single year and now speaking of cody rhodes well we had a match this past Monday on Raw involving Here Cody Rhodes. You hear it, don't you? Yeah. He is already ready to defend his guy. There's no defense for this because the Cody clock struck 10 o'clock Eastern and Cody was going to face the Miz for the second time in about a month. And the first match, you know what? I had no problem with it. It was pretty good for what it was. This match was a disaster, however. This match was not good. And I am not going to blame Cody Rhodes for a moment of this disaster unfolding. This goes directly to the Miz. I don't know what he was doing on Monday. He could not do basic things such as take a surfboard. He could not execute a sunset flip. 
He could not take up a roll-up attempt. He had his shoulders up. Cody had to push his shoulders down to get the pinfall. Couldn't sell worth the shit. His kicks were terrible. His post-match beatdown on Cody was awful. Everything The Miz did, everything The Miz did was a walking disaster. He was wrestling in slow motion and the crowd was dead for Cody's match. But let's go back to the beginning, shall we? Let's go back to the moment this thing was a disaster. When the pyrotechnics team screwed up Cody's pyro from the opening moment of his entrance, they botched it not once but twice, and he was already pissed off. Can you imagine being more pissed off with The Miz, who couldn't wrestle for shit? And I've come for The Miz's character a lot on this show. I've never come for his wrestling that much because it really doesn't bother me. He has good moments, okay moments, fine moments, sometimes great moments. But this wasn't great. He was literally a 2K20 glitch in real time, just botching spots left and right. He made Von Wagner look like stunning Stone Cold Steve Austin before it was Stone Cold. That's a bit much. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. This was just an embarrassment. And I felt for Miz because I know he can do better than this, but this was just embarrassing to watch. And... If he doesn't want to do this anymore, it's oh okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a dramatic turn right there. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Are if you he, telling this man to contemplate retirement? <laughs> well, after a performance like that, you have to question many things. Do you want oh, to continue <laughs> Do you want to continue this path, sir, delivering trash like this? Do you want to continue ruining your legacy for the last three or so years by producing matches like this because Miz and Mrs. is a great revenue stream for WWE and USA Network for that matter. So stick to that if this isn't what you want to do anymore because this was not it and I felt for Cody, but thankfully Seth freaking Rollins saved the day with the beat down that the Miz also sucked in and There was a weight belt given to a kid before the match and Seth Rollins stole the weight belt from the kid and whipped Cody one time with it. And Cody, ever the fighting, valiant babyface, grabbed that weight belt and said, I am going to give it back to this kid. Bad knee, bad knee and all. And he was a and he was a hero to this young fella. That was the saving grace to an otherwise trash segment involving Michael Mazanin and Cody Rhodes. So here's the thing, right? All time greats, they have their days, you know. All time greats, all time greats. We we've all seen it, you know. Le- Listen, LeBron had his meltdown at at the uh, Dallas. It happened, but then you you bounce back. You bounce back stronger than ever. Next week, Miz is gonna come out there. He's gonna cut a nice promo. He's gonna get a great reaction. It'll all be forgotten, you know? We'll we'll move on. Bad match. He sucked this week. It is what it is. And you know what? You know what? You know what? And I'm not not abolishing uh, Cody from any of this blame because they both should have known better than to think that The Miz could just all of a sudden turn into Christian and start pulling off springboard um, uh, roll-ups. Like, who, who thought, who thought that was a good idea for him to start doing that? When he started doing that? When when did the Miz ever start doing that? I rarely see that guy doing that. I didn't see him do it in the Hell in a Cell 
throwback we just did he ain't do no <laughs> springboard roll-ups then so now all of a sudden because cody backhanded our reparations miz think that he can get in on something and try to do start doing springboards again see this is what happened when he tried to go babyface and he hit that one springboard move when he was tagging with shane mcmahon next thing you know he's doing my matches and then he fell on his face see this is the problem with the miz he got happy cody got him gassed up before this was probably a prank this is probably a, a skit for Miz and Mrs. And Cody is acting, hey, you could do this, dude. You could, hey, hit that move right there. That's all you, big dog. And Miz is like, yeah, I could do it. And this is all going to be on Miz and Mrs. And then they're going to have a big laugh. And Brandy's going to be like, who told you that it was open wrestling night here? You know how this, you know how Brandy be. That's, how, that's exactly what this was. It was all an elaborate skit for Miz and Mrs. You just did more spin than Chris Jenner does with the Kardashians. I mean, really, <laughs> you spun that around off in top a way. though, too. Off top though, <laughs> in a I way didn't that even was think about that until I was just talking about that. I was like, you know what? I'm going with that. That's what we're running with. In a way that was almost believable. <laughs> it was almost believable, and then you discredit yourself when you compare the Miz. To Cleveland's own, or shall I say Akron's own, LeBron James. My guy. The audacity of you to compare a goat to a lamb. How dare you? You're right. You're right. I should have compared him. I should have compared him to a Steph Curry. But then I then I thought I couldn't because Steph don't have Steph don't have no finals MVPs. He don't know what it's like to win on the you know, to be the man on the biggest stage. The Miz does. He's won the main event on the biggest stage. So I couldn't compare him to Steph Curry because he's got a leg up on him. Now you think you did something. <laughs> but I got something for you too. Now, even though you might be right about Steph never winning an MVP when it counts most. That Not might change. You know, that is true. He did his work in 2015. But let it be known that even though Steph might not have that trophy yet, at least he remembers winning that first championship. The Miz has no memory of winning at WrestleMania because <laughs> he got knocked the fuck out. Uh, where's the Chris Rock? Uh, where's the Chris Rock voice? When you, or not Chris, Chris Tucker voice when you need him. Yes. So at least uh, Steph remembers his. Miz got to go on Peacock to find out, wow, I won at WrestleMania. I beat John Cena and I don't remember a moment of it because he got knocked out, went to sleep, concrete, hit that head hard. So how's that? Well, it wasn't very nice. I can tell you that. But it is true. All factual. Yes. So nice try trying to shade stuff, even though you're going through something right now. It's been a rough <laughs> week for you. Golden State wins. The Miz Ugh. lays an egg, a, a, a Fabergé Cleopatra egg on my Not a golden one either. Not a no, golden one. It was a plastic egg, a Cadbury egg he dropped on Monday. Mm. Let's be fair. Just a big old shit he dropped in there on Monday just <laughs> swirling around the drain and oh I was God. just embarrassed for him well listen the Browns at the Super Bowl well when 55 years ago was it Madden when they were in the Super Bowl last time maybe not in his lifetime the Bengals tried harder than the Miz did on Monday that's how bad that was but I digress now on to the main event of Monday Night Raw, it was Becky Lynch versus Asuka 
again. And it was a way for Becky to be added to the Raw Women's Championship match at Hell in a Cell this upcoming Sunday on Peacock. And Bianca Belair is at ringside watching this match. And I knew something was going to happen when Asuka kicked Bianca directly in the head. She sewed it beautifully and Becky won via roll-up. But now Becky Lynch has been added to this title match at Hell in a Cell. It should be a great match. And all I could think about is the fact that we were going in this direction two weeks ago and then we had the whole Sasha and Naomi blow up only for us to go back to the beginning. So WWE, why did you make it so hard on yourselves knowing that if you didn't want to do this match, you wanted to wait you do something else, but you went with it anyway. Now, knowing that money in the bank is not taking place in a stadium. And on top of that, it makes the walkout in some ways even more justifiable. So if you're going with the trip, like why, why not just announce the triple threat to begin with? You know, and and then just have two qualifying matches. That way, you don't have to have both the women lose. Like, why is Oscar losing? And she just she just returned. And and secondly, why is Becky even in this match? I want to see Oscar versus Bianca. That's the match I want to see. And if they're saving it for SummerSlam, then you know what? I, I'm all for the wait. But I don't have the faith that that's what they're doing. I bet you that's what they go with uh, probably at Money in the Bank or something. But I. That's the matchup I want to see. That's the fresh matchup. You inserting Becky is just kind of adding a a, a known piece because you don't have you don't know what to do with her. Let's keep it one hundred. The only reason they're adding Becky Lynch into the feud is because one they don't want to get to that match quite yet, and two they don't know what to do with Becky, and, and that that's a problem. Instead of having you know Becky versus. Liv Morgan or something for a spot, and then you could have Asuka versus Dewdrop or Nikki Ash, and just have them getting wins on TV. Like, what what else are they doing? I I just I don't understand the mindset sometimes when you can just do basic stuff. Just keep it simple. You don't even need a story. Just say we're having qualifying matches. We got two slots. We're gonna have these. Like it, it's it's simple. It's it's a basic story that could be told. Instead, they've gone a roundabout way. The finish looked terrible from Becky Lynch and Oscar. And these two usually have really good chemistry. The match was fine, but now you now you've already gone through this match. Like now I don't need to see this match again. This could have been a pay-per-view number one contenders match, but they've forgotten what those are. I just, I don't understand why, it's like you said, why they make things so difficult and you have to go in this roundabout way to get to a result that was right in front of you. The entire time. And if you're trying to delay it, Alexa Bliss right there. Oh, exactly. And she's right there too. Like, why isn't why isn't Alexa Bliss facing like Becky? Like, that's a matchup that you could have. You could have four or five women's matches on every pay-per-view if you just took the time to just, you know, lay out basic stuff. She's right there too. That's a great call. Yeah. Return. She has a beef. Becky Lynch, they they're great talkers. They can build up a nice story. If you don't want Becky, if you don't want Becky Lynch around Bianca Belair right now, that's how you pivot. If you want Oscar versus Bianca Belair, that's what you do. But you went around the world in eighty days or in two weeks, and you tried to find a way to delay a match for the six pack challenge that made no sense. That was a detriment to your tag team champions. They walked out, and you acted petty about it. And then you decided to go back to what you were teasing two weeks prior. 
That's the problem with WWE booking. You forget what you're doing week to week. You're saying, oh my God, we got to wait, pause. We're doing stuff for money in the bank. And then you're not doing money in the bank in an arena. Or I should say you're not doing it in a stadium anymore. You're doing it in an arena. So now you're trying to dilute two back-to-back arena shows for reasons I don't get. At this point, when you don't have your big dog, your big ooze, your tribal chief not there for these arena shows, because he's about that stadium way of life now, he's not doing these mini pay-per-views anymore. If that's the case, you've got to elevate your women's division. you got to elevate these secondary titles. And you just got to make these arena shows mean something. They cannot be skippable B shows anymore. You have to drive ticket sales whenever you decide to separate these titles from Roman Reigns, whenever that day may be. Until then, you have to find a way to make these shows stand out. And I think the WWE thought way too hard about this particular matchup and went around the way with it until they figured out, well, maybe this is what we should have done in the first place. But unfortunately, you have an Oscar, you've had Oscar and, and Becky Lynch lose and win in 50-50 booking matches in the last two weeks, and it dilutes the purpose of this match. This upcoming Sunday, the match would be good, but my goodness, eating losses a week or two out of the show is definitely a choice by WWE and not necessarily a good one. What's You know, every great babyface has a great heel to play off of, and Bianca just doesn't have that right now. You know, the story with Becky Lynch was fine, but I, I don't know if Becky was a great heel during that feud for Bianca to really build off of. Even the Sasha Bank match was more of a historical match than it was Sasha being this great foil for Bianca. And I think that's really what she's missing to elevate her to that superstar status, you know, to that face of the company status. She's missing that great rival. And I I think Rhea Ripley is that rival. And how do you get there is is the question. But until Bianca Belair gets that right, because I think you're you're right about that. And and Roman has every right to be like, yo, I'm not doing anything except stadium shows. You're not gonna see me, you know, wrestle except on a stadium and you know, some and house shows. You know, that's how you keep a house show special. You get to see Roman wrestle. But I, you know, I, I think you you have to elevate and Bianca's the one. Bianca is the one. And if she's not the one, Rhea Ripley is the two. So like those those are the one two that you <clears throat> that you go with to build around. And I think Bianca has to have that foil. And now that Rhea Ripley's going to the darker side and she's ready to kind of be elevated, and I think Edge is gonna do that. She can be that foil and they can really elevate each other. This match has been brewing, I I really believe, for a few years since the Royal Rumble spot where they sat down next to each other and looked at each other and was like, yo, it's us. So that's what Bianca's missing is her great foil, her great rival. Becky Lynch isn't it. Sasha Banks wasn't it. Who's her great rival? And I think it's going to be Rhea Ripley, but you have to be smart and you have to build that encounter and make it special. You do, and they got the potential right there, and it can be a special match. Each time they had a match this year on pay-per-view on Monday Night Raw, it got the crowd excited. They were heated for the matchup. And once you firmly establish Rhea as his heel with motivations to beat Bianca Belair, that will be a great feud. This is a generational rivalry that will really last for years for WWE if they play it right. If you build this up to SummerSlam, I would love to see it unfold that way. But in the meantime, in between time, you want to make sure these secondary shows mean something as well. And if you're so hell bent on delaying things, get people in position. If you bring it back, Alexa Bliss, 
Don't have her facing Sonya Deville back-to-back weeks and Nikki Ash this past Monday. Have her ready for Becky Lynch. Have her ready for someone else like Bianca Belair. And those two have very good chemistry as well. There's ways to avoid what you're trying to do, but you still went with it anyway. And that's very funny to me in hindsight when they were so hell-bent on not giving away this match, but you're still giving away this match. So I guess your hands really weren't that tied up at the end of the day. And now it's time to talk about NXT 2.0 and the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament, which took a turn this week with a big injury note. Nikita Lyons is out with a partially torn MCL injury, and she had to be scratched from the semifinals match alongside Fallon Henley. And Fallon Henley faced off against Tiffany Stratton instead. And Lash Legend faced off against Roxanne Perez on the other side of the semifinals. And Roxanne Perez did beat Lash Legend with the Pop Rocks Code Red to advance to the finals. And Tiffany Stratton faced Fallon Henley in the other semifinals match. And I thought that Tiffany Stratton probably had one of her better performances to date on 2.0. And I think she has had a great turnaround in terms of entering and character work. She is morphing into... A Charlotte, and I mean that in a good way. She reminds me a lot of Charlotte in terms of her mechanics. She's got a ways to go, but I appreciate the fact that she realizes daddy's girl gimmick is very limiting and she's bringing more clueless to the performance, a bit more bougie, but it's believable bougie. And she's elevating her in-ring game as well. She's got the character locked down and the in-ring work is coming along as well. And Fallon Henley, I thought looked good as well. And she might be a breakthrough star eventually. So you see pieces of this revamped and newly kind of realized NXT women's division coming together. You do see talent there. They're still green. They're still learning. But I think that the potential of Roxanne Perez versus Tiffany Stratton in the finals will be very good between now and most likely in your house this upcoming Saturday on Peacock. So I I would take it a step further and say this is probably the best match of the entire tournament so far. Um, I think Fallon Henley has been really good the entire tournament. I think she's had the best quality of matches uh, out of anybody. And Tiffany Stratton, I man, she her first match, I was like, I wasn't quite impressed. I thought she was okay, but I, you know, I, I was like, let's see what happens. But she's really picked it up very quickly. She's one of she's one of those ones that is setting the bar that everybody that a lot of people aren't able to keep up with. You know, she's one of those athletes that's able to pick it up and able to really run with it. And you know, if our our, our old friend L.A. Knight, now known as uh, Max Dupree or Max Dupree, however he wanted it to be said, uh, if he's looking for some models, Tiffany's right there. And I think she'd be a great addition to SmackDown now. You made a nice comparison to Charlotte, and I think that's a good one because they they kind of have the same look. Uh, this, well, obviously they have the same look. She doesn't have the pedigree that Charlotte has, but one other advantage that Charlotte had going for her is who was Charlotte working with a lot. You know, who who is the talent that she's working with compared to who Tiffany is working with? You know, Charlotte got to work with a lot of different talent that had been on the indie scene for years. You know, she even got to work with Natalia when Natalia was still when Natalia was still moving a little bit, you know, adding a lot more to the division when she was still fresh in NXT. So I do think that's going to hurt Tiffany as far as in ring. Um, and I, I do wonder how much that's going to hurt her because she doesn't have that advantage that Charlotte had. And even when Charlotte got called up to the main roster, um, 
Well, then again, she was working with Nikki Bella. So what am I talking about? Well, Nikki's not bad, but well, Nikki's actually Nikki's much better than a lot of the people that to even even then, actually now that even Nikki Bella, like working with somebody like that, is still light years better than what Tiffany's working with in NXT right now. Outside of your, because she's not working with Io Shirai, you know, she's and she's had. I think her feud with Sarai is is just about over. But who is Tiffany working with that? can really help her improve that can really elevate her as far as in ring work that is a question a very good question and honestly the pickings are slim natalia went back to smackdown eo might be injured and there are really no seasoned vets on this show that can carry the ladies and you fire dakota kai i'll keep bringing that up every single week you fire dakota kai she was right there. They can really be a guiding force in this division. But I will say that Tiffany's picked up some natural instincts in a very short amount of time. And when this coconut circuit is reactivated in about a, a couple of weeks time, she's going to get better. And I love the natural instincts that she has. She needs to be led a bit more, but I like the poise she has that she's not freaking out in the ring. She knows what she's doing mostly. And I think the more she continues to get reps in, she's going to get better. And it reminds me a bit of Bianca Belair that this was completely new to her five or six years ago. And she learned fast. And to see Tiffany's first match when she botched a handspring elbow to hitting it perfectly and doing a heel hook with a bridge six months later, that's crazy improvement. And she's going to get better, which is scary. You do want a hand in there that can help her along the way. But to be this advanced for her level of experience is very impressive to me. And I went in on her a few months ago and it wasn't her fault. It was about being pushed to TV too soon with the one dimensional gimmick to get the gimmick to where it is right now. And to couple that with improved in-ring work, that is huge for her. And I think that she'll be better for it long term. I agree. There's just there's still just a ceiling that you're gonna hit working with the same talent. Even even on the coconut circuit, if you're still working with the same level of talent, there's only so much that you can improve. And you bring up Bianca Belair, but again, look who she was working with. You know, she's working with a Shayna Baszler who had been on top and, and was really in a zone at that point. She was working with a, a Nikki Cross who was in a zone at that point. So I, I you know, I'm I'm with you on everything about what you're saying with Tiffany as far as how f- quick she's picking it up. I guess my my main concern is that not that she's going to cap, not that her her potential is capped, but that she won't be able to really f- v- see her potential because she just doesn't she's just not working with the talent that can pull it out of her. I think that she won't cap out. I believe that she'll get better on her own. And sometimes you gotta look out for yourself. I'm doing good. Absolutely. I don't know about y'all. Absolutely. Now she gets caught up to the main roster. She will learn faster and she'll catch up real quick, work with really good women. So I think that she's got to worry about herself. If I get my shit in, I'm doing good. If you're behind me, that's not my problem. Like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If you can keep up, congratulations to you. But for her level of experience, and I don't say this a lot for a lot of people on the show, I do see glimmers of hope in some folks, but with her improvement, cause I went in on her to be as better as she is now versus then is good for her. Of course, it's going to be a ceiling with NXT. That's why you got to call up to the main roster. So she can work with a more diverse roster that she can learn from and she will get better quickly for it as well. And now we're moving on to some unfortunate developments regarding Joe Gacy and Braun Breaker. 
this never ending feud continues. Joe Gacy, as Scott and I have noted in the last few weeks, has committed at least four felonies and two misdemeanors. He has continued to commit felonies, including stalking, as he stole a Polaroid picture of young blonde breaking his brother with his dad in a very intimate moment from his childhood. Then he found footage of Braun Breaker running back an 85-yard touchdown in high school, and it was a way to torment Braun for not having his dad there for him when he was in Japan, allegedly. The timeline doesn't match up, but it's for storyline purposes. And it's all to provoke Braun Breaker to lose his temper, to lose his cool. So he had a match against Dukatsin in the main event spot of 2.0 this past Tuesday. The match was fine, but it was sullied by Joe Gacy and the two bootleg druids sitting on the balcony. They made their way to the ringside area. And once again, Braun Breaker was provoked. Dukasen had a steel chair. was trying to use it as a weapon against Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker was able to avoid it. Then Joe Gacy provides interference. And because Duke provoked Braun one too many times, Braun used a steel chair against Dukatsin and got disqualified from this match. And Joe Gacy was very proud of his handiwork. Oh, look at me, evil genius, trying to take over the world by winning the NXT Championship. Look what I did. I'm going to make you do the same thing during our NXT Championship match next Saturday at In Your House. And this is just bad I feel for Braun Breaker. I feel for a guy that has been tormented and terrorized for two months that he can't beat this man's ass all around the arena. He can't beat this man in his steel cage, a street fight, a hardcore match. He has to beat him in a straight up wrestling match and not get DQ'd. I hate this storyline. It makes no sense to me. Joe Gacy is a ham and a half and I cannot wait until this is over. But my fear is... Dear God, Joe Gacy could be the next NXT champion and I will quit this show or I should say quit NXT 2.0 for a time. I won't be as drastic as Scott in the event Golden State wins a championship and or lose, but I will quit reviewing NXT for a time. I um this this whole thing is uh it's you know, it is what it is. I'm going to keep this short because I don't really want to waste too much time on Joe Gacy and Braun Breaker. I thought Duke Hudson looked pretty good. I actually, I'm, I'm enjoying the Duke Hudson character. I think he's sort of finding himself a little bit. I really like him. I don't know what you do with him. He's another guy. I think that's a, another good looking guy that could be with Max Dupree. I think he's somebody who Max Dupree could really use on the main. I think he's ready for the main roster. Like, I, I think he's, it, there's not much you're going to do with him on the NXT 2.0 brand. You're not going to push him as a top guy. You're not going to give him the title. I think he fits in in a nice stable with, you know, Max talking for him. Him, Grayson Waller, Tiffany Stratton. I think those, you call them three up. You put them in a stable. I, I, I really like that with Max Dupree. But, as far as the Joe Gacy thing, just it's stupid. It's ridiculous. This match is just screams Triple H versus Randy Orton WrestleMania 25, uh, where the, you know you, if you get DQ'd, you lose the title and you have to keep your cool and all this stuff. And I'm sure the ref will get knocked out and Braun will get the the ring that uh, that Joe Gacy took and he'll hit Joe Gacy with it and everything that he's not supposed to do, he'll do when the ref's not looking. So he'll be able to get his comeuppances. Um, it's it's just all silly. It's a shame that Braun went from the hottest, arguably the hottest thing going in wrestling, just the surefire thing, to 
people forget he's probably even still doing his thing. They probably forget he's champion because he's feuding with Joe Gacy. Like, I'd rather them just call Joe Gacy up to be with Edge so they could shut his mouth and we don't have to see him with Braun anymore. No. All right. Or not. Or not. That's fine, too. No, no. That's fine, too. But (laughs) regardless, regardless, we got to get him away from Braun. I agree, but... Have you seen Edge's promos lately? Can you couple that with Joe Gacy, them together, spouting that bullshit continuously? Oh, he doesn't get to talk with Edge. Oh, God, I hope not. He doesn't not. get to talk. He just gets to stand beside him and smile. That's even worse. It'll become like like a cheesecake. Like a cheesecake group. Just fluffy and just oversaturated with sugar and crap with him smiling. Oh, God. No. Don't oh. don't speak that into existence. I don't want that for him or for me or for you or for our listeners or for the fans. No. <sighs> <laughs> hey, look, listen, this is uh, this is really bad. I um I watched NXT NXT UK and I, I'll, I'll be gladly to start switching over to UK for a few weeks if uh, if Joe Gacy wins the title. Yeah. I, I I would watch a kid matches over Joe Gacy seven out of seven days out of the week. I, I cannot sure. take Joe Gacy. I cannot. I feel for I feel for Bond Breaker too because we were rooting for this guy. He was our favorite dude on this show. He still is to me. But this storyline has sucked, and these fans are so mixed towards him, and it's not helping. And I can't wait until he's drafted to Raw or SmackDown so we can get away from this mess because this is what it is—a mess right now, and it's just bad television and I don't like it and this feud can finally fuck off on Saturday here's hoping with Braun Breaker still NXT champion as we move on to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox and the Usos tricking me fooling me deceiving me as they cut a very convincing babyface promo as Jey Uso has displayed to us that if the day comes when he finally steps up to his cousin and says hey Roman I want to be the tribal chief. I want to be the head of the table. A promo that Jay cut this past Friday is clear evidence of that. He noted that the Usos have been in WWE for 12 years, that the fans have been with them every step of the way through the highs and lows of it all. And he appreciates them through these tough times. We're living through it right now, through the road life, through the family life. We've had their backs as fans. We booed them. We cheered them. We've been there for them. And he thanks us for that. He goes off script and it's really coming from a heartfelt, emotional place. I will say he was very crafty in saying that we won these championships all on our own. And it was a way that he said it, that he felt almost kind of pissed at Roman interfered. And that might be something to play back to later. But from that point, the Usos were like baby faces. The fans were rocking with it in Little Rock, Arkansas. They were having a good time. And then Jimmy is acting all somber and he's all like emotional. And I think for a time he actually was. And he says, you know what? We thank absolutely nobody because it was all about us. We did it together. And they're not baby faces in this moment, even though they're the unified tag team champions. They're still heels. But for that moment, I love the fact that we saw a peek into future baby face Usos 
telling it like it is, being warm with the people. The fans still going to love them nonetheless. The ones still go up, but I felt teased in that moment, especially by Jey Uso, who displayed why he's called main event Jey Uso for a reason by delivering promos like this that convinced me that, hey, maybe the Usos are not so bad after all. This wasn't quite Mark Henry in the Salmon suit, you know, levels wasn't quite there. But let me tell you, this was really good. And you could tell that he meant every single word that he said um, during the first part of that promo when he was really just, you know, letting the, you know, telling the fans how much it's meant to them that they've really rocked. They've really rocked with them, like they said, since day one, you know, that day one ish. So. I thought the promo was excellent. You know, we we both agreed on it. I think it was either last week or the week before uh, when we talked about who could be the one to take the title off of Roman. And Jay Uso, this promo, uh, you know, I, I doubled down on that. I I still think he should be the guy to take the, the title off of Roman Reigns. And again, every title reign doesn't have to be this epic six months to a, a year and a half long reign where you're just having these knockout bangers and you're beating every single comer that you know comes after you. It doesn't have to be like that. Sometimes a title ring could just be a great moment, you know, one defense and bam, or a great moment in first defense, it's over. Because then that tells that's the next chapter of a great story, a great redemption story, a great pick yourself back up story, which is what main event Jay was. He was down in the dumps for a minute because his partner was gone and he picked himself back up and was like, yo, so I'm going to do this by myself. And that's what happened. And there's another story you tell there. But after this promo, man, I double down and say Jay Uso still should be the guy to take the title off of Roman. You create a main event Jay. Jimmy will be fine. Either, whether it's a hype man for Jay for a little bit, they could still go back to a tag. But I, this promo just completely sold me that it should be Jey Uso who takes the title. It won't be, but it should be. And you know what's crazy? For a long time, when I saw the Usos together, and I think it goes back to Total Divas during the early days on E! Network, and Jimmy was always like the highlight alongside Naomi. Like, I love them as a couple, and they always brought the entertainment factor to that show. And I thought Jimmy was the more charismatic Uso. I didn't see much in Jay at first. But in the last couple of years, ever since they really found themselves as a tag team, when the brand split took place on SmackDown nearly six years ago, Jay is coming to his own as a guy that has presence to be a main eventer, presence to be a champion of the highest caliber. And his performance on Friday, even though he was playing us, he meant everything he said. And you can imagine that when he finally realizes, hey, I want a piece of the pie too. I want to be a tribal chief of my family as well. That is going to be a great moment. And I just thought that he carried himself like an absolute star that brought gravitas to his performance on the mic. He sold his performance. The people bought in. And that's what I want in Jey Uso as a main eventer moving forward. They can do this. As you said, each title reign doesn't have to be this epic odyssey of greatness. You just need moments like this that really say that it was worth the wait in the end. And Jay is a prime example of that via his work. And Jimmy can be the right-hand man to his brother. That's fine. But I do see way more equity in Jay being a future champion right now. Yeah, and I, I just think it's, it's time. And, and with Jay as champion, I, it just opens so many things because literally – you could put anybody up against him and there's a you could be like, all right, he could lose the title. Like legitimate. 
you know, you you put him against a, a Seth Rollins, you're like, oh, okay, Rollins might mess around and be like, and and that that's good, you know, a vulnerable babyface champion who people can get behind, but you know is about that business because he just took down the tribal chief who just had this epic reign. It, you know, it's it's a lightning in a bottle situation that you just don't get a lot of, especially with a full circle years, years built up storyline with equity. Um, and you you literally create another main event character. You just don't get opportunities like that. So, um, you know, it, they won't do it. Even if they don't do that, there has to be at least be a point where the Usos stand up to Roman and are like, we're not doing this anymore. That At least something like that, because the crowd is ready to get behind them. And I think that was the big thing coming out of this. As much as I, you know, I'm, I'm all for and ready for Jay to take that main event run by himself. The crowd is ready to embrace the Usos again. And then you could see that you could feel that. And they were like, once he started talking, it was like, yeah, we need y'all. You know, this is for y'all and all that. They were like, word, we can start cheering them again. Like, this is what we want. So when that time comes, man, it's going to be a great moment moment absolutely and we cannot forget about the third ooze he's out there on nxt i can sense a call up for him in the next year or so and maybe he might be the catalyst to say hey guys we're a family here too and maybe you got to step up to your cousin and say hey we are also a dynasty for ourselves, not just for Roman and his ambitions, because they've been gaslit for three years. It has so many stories here that make sense long term. And speaking of stories going long term, keeping with the bloodline theme, we got to talk about Sami Zayn, Sammy the informant, Sammy the snitch, Sammy the spy. He is officially delusional because there was a great KO show segment on SmackDown featuring Kevin Owens cameoing on SmackDown alongside Sami Zayn. I love their dynamic. They're best friends. And you can see it via the repertoire on the mic. They hugged it out. And I laughed out loud when Sammy affirmed Kevin Owens' belief that Ezekiel was Elias and Kevin almost wanted to cry in Sammy's arms. Like, thank you for believing me. But he wanted Sammy to join him on Monday Night Raw to expose Ezekiel for the fraud that he is. And Sammy says, you know what? I got some things to do on SmackDown. I got to be the locker room leader for the bloodline, Oose. And Kevin's like, who the hell are you calling Noose? You calling me Noose? And he had to remind Samuel, like, I don't think you're really part of the bloodline. This isn't real. They don't like you like that. They abandoned you on Monday during that six-man tag. Team match with Robin Griddle and the Prophets against you and the Usos. So if I call out the bloodline right now, will they come to your rescue? Will they come to you as your friend? And they did not. And Samuel was hearing none of this. And backstage, he wanted to confirm his status as a part of the bloodline. And Jimmy would say... Hey, Sammy, at most, you are an honorary member of the bloodline. And Sammy took that and ran with it. And I love this storyline. Sammy Zayn being delusional about being a part of this crew is everything. And I really hope that the long game here is for Sammy to get deeper and deeper into this delusion. And one day, the bloodline flips on him. And that Kevin Owens, his one true friend, would have his back. And since we're now jumping brands and regularity, wild card rule in effect, apparently, if it's not going to be RK bro anytime soon, if it's not going to be the street profits anytime soon, and I think they can wait a while. If you really want to tell a fully realized story surrounding the unified tag team titles, 
Why not go with the Usos versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the tag team titles? KO and Zayn as babyfaces would be over. Anytime Kevin Owens is around the bloodline, it's magical. So if Roman Reigns is not going to be around for these arena shows, barely doing house shows, occasional TVs as well, if that's not going to be the case, if you want to elevate some titles, these tag team titles need some loving. And the best way to do that to tell the perfect long-term story would be Sami Zayn all up in this delusion about the bloodline, finding out they ain't shit, and then Kevin Owens comes to save the day, and they will form a tag team, a strong baby face over tag team, fighting the Usos for these titles in great matches heading into the summer and the fall. You know, uh, I think it was either last week or the week before we were, you know, again, we I go back to this conversation. We talked about who could be some of the, you know, somebody who could take the title off of Roman and somebody that we didn't talk about who who does have a full story is Kevin Owens. And this Sami Zayn thing, I, I think if, if again, I, I said Jay should be the guy, but Kevin Owens has a strong case too. And maybe Sami Zayn is the mole that infiltrates and leads to Kevin Owens shocking the world uh, and beating Roman Reigns. I mean... He did resign, and he he got the first half of his contract. He got the main event with Stone Cold. Now the second <laughs> half is he gets to beat Roman Reigns for the Universal Title, right? Um, I, I I actually and I was thinking about it the whole time, but I I really like the tag title idea, especially I I actually like the idea of the Usos now becoming the main event act, you know, and carrying the main event act, and I'm all for them main eventing you know, these premium live events, especially with Roman not being there. Hell in a cell, Roman's not there. It's going to be Cody and Seth. That's going to be the main event. But going forward, I, you know, if it's not Roman, I'm here for the the bloodline being the main event going forward. And, you know, Co- or uh, Sammy and, K- and KO, I think that's a nice SummerSlam tag title match. I, I, I really like that. Um, I, I think that would work. Do you put the titles on them? That I don't know about. You know, I, I because I, I what's the long term game there? You know, then what do you do? Then where do you go? Who do they even who even goes after them? You know, what tag team do you have that goes after um, KO and Sammy? Because you're not gonna have the New Day go after them because that has to be a matchup for the Usos at some point. I know we just had them do it a couple months ago, but you know WWE just can't help themselves. And they're gonna WWE is gonna WWE. So that's gonna happen again soon. But I, I do like that idea and I think that's a great SummerSlam uh pay-per-view match. I agree. And you gotta build up teams. You gotta do it now. I think that when you have these unified champions, you gotta build up people that can really give the Usos a challenge. And KO and Zayn fits the bill for me. I think it would be a great match at SummerSlam. I want it to be slow burn though. I want Sammy Zayn to get his heart broken, get beat down by the bloodline, get set up. They're not your friends. Kevin Owens tried to tell you that. That's a way to get Kevin Owens back over as a babyface as well. The fans love KO when he's a babyface. He can do both. But I just think that this would be a great long-term story for SmackDown to really elevate the Usos to their main event status when Roman's not there. You want the bloodline to be strong regardless if Roman is on the show most weeks or not. So I just love what they're doing right now. I love the segment involving Sami Zayn and KO. And I want more as Sami is knee-deep in this delusion of being a member of the bloodline and what a surprising storyline that is after one week of being a snitch to now being a delusional member of the family.
and if you know, part of me also thinks that it's not going to be Sammy and KO, but Sammy's going to, you know, realize that they're playing him and he's going to come out and cost them their titles against somebody else. So, um, and you know, what other, again, we could come to what other tag teams do you even have the option of doing that with street profits? But you know, you don't, you have street profits in the new day. That's those are really the only other two teams you could, potentially even do that with you're not going to do it with the war raiders um the creed brothers aren't coming up anytime soon and those are the only two teams i would even consider if if imperium you know if they'd have brought up fabian eichner i don't know why they split them if they had brought him up i don't know what his name would have been he probably would be like mario or something since they're obviously doing the mario brother names so if they had brought him up then i would say you could put the titles on them and build to roman versus gunther but you know, I, that's that's my that's my only concern with that. But if you do put the titles on KO and Sammy, then you could also transition that to Judgment Day, which I think has to be the the next go round. Like they have to be the group that you would want going from show to show. Don't have to wrestle a lot. Damian Priest can do all the singles work until you get to the premium live events. For sure. And now introducing Luigi Eichner to <laughs> Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Uh, it'll be Waluigi. <laughs> Waluigi. Either or. Toad, perhaps. Toad oh. Eichner. What? Now see, now see, that's shade. That's shade. <laughs> that's shade. That I, I I get I get that Ludwig is your is your thirst trap, so you ain't gonna throw no shade that way. But you ain't had to come at my man Fabian. You ain't had to call that man Toad though. Toad though. I at least gave him Yoshi. You call that man Toad. What, what does Toad even bring to the table? What does he even bring to the table? Well, he has those little mushrooms he drops, you know. All right. Well, the, that, those, the, are, those, those are pretty important. All right. That's fine. That's you know, fine. I still don't. Toad, though. <laughs> toad, though. That's tough money. That's a, that's a lot of shade right there. You wouldn't say that about Ludwig. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is a valid point. Look at him, by the way. Oh, I think he looks great. Yes. The the tan is fantastic. I don't know what they're doing. Like, I guess they must be hitting the tanning beds with Mandy Rose because these tans (laughs) they got going on are impeccable as well. I never thought I would see the day Walter getting a tan. Never would have thought it. But here we are. You know, America, America and its gifts that we provide. Abs and tans, but... That is where we are. And crazily enough, Horny Hours is hit right around the hour mark. It never fails on this show. (laughs) Just strikes just right. Just before we wrap things up. So good looking out, Scott. Couldn't let it pass without some Ludwig thirst trap moments right here on The Wrap. Well, you know, we hit our Nikita Lions a little early, so we uh, we didn't get a chance to get our thirst trap in there. There was no, uh, we didn't we didn't get our usual camera shot from the cheeks up, so I had to save it for Ludwig. Yes, unfortunately, they really zoomed in on Mandy this week. I was like <laughs> disturbed. Dang. I was like, really, Kevin Dunn, really, bitch, really, really. They can't help themselves. They really can't. It's kind of sad at this point that you oh, were Alexa that Oh, Lopez office. got it, too. I forgot. She yeah, got it. She did. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. And record low viewership for teenagers. Guess it's working. You know, the 50-year-old. Actually, what's 50-year-old men like that. 
So of course that's what their demo is. That's who they. That's who likes it. Them old fifty-year-old men. They're like, oh, ho, 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 it's past nine o'clock. The kids are in bed. Time to watch two <laughs> That's what's going on there. That's that's we, we. He's slick. Nick ain't sick. Ain't slick over there. He's just sick. He ain't slick. He's sick. He a sick old man. These fifty-year-old men looking at these women. These I know. Thirst traps. Just sickening. Just sickening. But. That's where we are. And it's working, apparently, for people over 50. Anybody under that? They say, you know what? We have a phone for that. And there's an app for that. There are (laughs) sites for that that are free. You know, but that's where we are, people. Hopefully, NXT will learn that sex does not always sell unless, of course, you're over 50. That key demographic for the NXT viewer. As we now transition away from the horny hours into the best damn television match of the week. And honestly speaking, the pickings were slim this week in terms of really good matches. So, Scott, what is your recommendation for the dear listeners out there as to what they should peek out for from WWE this past week? So, I actually cheated a little bit this week, and my match comes from NXT UK. Uh, I had given up on NXT UK for a little bit because I just I couldn't go back to no fans, and they had no fans for a while when the fans were back. But fans are back in NXT UK, so it's a much easier and, and really enjoyable watch now. And my match of the week, and I think it's far and away better than anything you'll see on SmackDown Raw or NXT 2.0, is A-Kid versus Charlie Dempsey in the Heritage Rules match. I thought this was excellent. I love the heritage rules. I, I love the matches like that. Like I love the pure rules for Ring of Honor. I think those type of matches where you there's a different type of structure. There's a time limit. There's rounds. Um, you know, if there's a knockout, the match is over. If there's a DQ, the match is over. Uh, it's two out of three falls. Six three minute rounds. I, I I just love the concept of it. The stories that they tell. Um, I thought Nigel McGuinness did a great job telling a story of a kid, uh, you know, really having the experience and knowing what to do in between rounds, knowing how to handle coming out of each round, knowing when to go full throttle, knowing when to take it back. Um, there was a, there's a point in the match where uh, I won't tell who, but there's a one of them's going for a, a submission with their main submission move that whenever they hit it, it apparently it injures the person. Um, and instead of letting them lock it in, they take the quick tap out to save themselves. And it really comes back later on in the match. So I thought this was just an excellent, excellent match that I would go out of your way to see. Um, Charlie Dempsey, a kid. And I, please correct me if I'm wrong. Dempsey is William Regal's son, right? Yes, he is. Because there was a a nice uh, power of the punch moment that uh, that I thought was a a very cool uh, touch to the to the match. So yeah, this was excellent, excellent match. I I can't say enough good things about. I don't know who posted it in the fight game Facebook group because that's where I saw it and was like, oh, let me let me check this out. But uh, yeah, and John LaRocca, if you're listening, I'd love for you to watch that match. I, I, I'd love for you to break that one down. That was That's a great match. Yes, I saw good things about it, saw clips of it as well. I am blown away by A-Kid as always and Regal's son is a dead ringer for his son, like, just like him. And um, he has a very bright future in WWE. It's, he's a dead ringer and future member of the Blackpool Combat Club in about three years. Man, let me tell you, though, I I love the 
and I don't know if this is an NXT UK thing because they all seem to just have a different swag about them all. But I love the like, the grit and the smug that he wrestles with, and just how like the way he the way he transitions into the suplexes and the bridges he was hitting. I mean, I was I was I've never seen him wrestle before. I've actually never seen him before. Um, I think I may have seen him when he got signed and they said he was Regal's kid, but I've never seen him in the ring before. And I was blown away. I, I just thought he was excellent. A kid, this was a really good match, but Dempsey was the one that really stood out for me. Just his transitions were so smooth and were excellent. And like, he got busted open in the nose and it just added to the match. And he, I, I, I love Dempsey in this match. I, I just, I really enjoyed him. He, I will be watching NXT UK going forward just so I can see what they do with him. And they will, be, they are fools if they let him go. I know his dad's there, and he probably will go. But man, he's so different. He brings such a, a gritty and dirtiness that they don't have right now. He's so different than what they have. I, I, you can't let him go, man. You got. He's somebody that you could bring up, and he would fit in with Walter. Like that! Oh my God! I would love to see those who just beating the hell out of each other. He, he's great, man. He's great. I could go on and on about him. He is fantastic. I love his potential as well. Hopefully, WWE sees it. But knowing them, you you never know because their tastes vary literally by the day. But he's a great find, and hopefully, he'll find success on WWE. And if he does get paired up with Gunther and Ludwig, that's great for him. But in WWE, you simply never know. But I wish him the very best on UK for right now. As for my pick for match of the week, to go back to Riddle, I got to shout out Riddle and the Street Profits versus the Usos and Sami Zayn from this past Monday's Raw. I really enjoyed the matchup. A more serious riddle is the best riddle and it led to the Usos walking out on Sami Zayn which led to the KO show segment on Friday and of course riddle lays out Sami Zayn with the RKO in honor of his best friend Randy you know those the little things that they do with Randy and and riddle are lovely so I I love that it was a a nice match nice crowd pleasing match Um, WWE does the six mans well they take a lot of time they get the crowd involved and when you have a story that people care about it elevates the match like if the crowd wasn't into it it would just be a regular six man but because the crowd was into it and they care about Riddle it really elevated this match Definitely. And that was a nice way to kick off the show. And that was probably the peak in terms of good stuff going down this past Monday on Raw. And on that note, this wraps up a very busy and fun episode of The Wrapper right here on the Fight Game Media Network. But I think we have a very busy weekend ahead of us because we might be doing the rare back-to-back double dip of covering In Your House on Saturday and Hell in a Cell on Sunday, Scott. Uh, Well... So that means let me let me make sure I'm understanding this right. So I gotta watch Joe Gacy on Saturday, and then I don't even get to see the main oos on Sunday. WWE really done shafted me this week, huh? <laughs> they gave you the worst of both worlds. This is this is uh this is just not right. I, I, and and not to mention, who knows what type of mood I'm gonna be in since Game One of the Finals will be on Thursday. I think so who knows what type of week this week's going to be. And also, I would also like to throw out that, uh, that we might be stepping through some uh, forbidden doors coming up too. So keep an eye out for that. 
Yes, it's going to be a very busy week for us. Very exciting. And knowing that we'll be doing the wrap next Saturday night after game one of the NBA finals, one of us will be ecstatic. <laughs> and one of us will be upset. And and for all we know, it could be me being very sad. It could be. It could be. And for one week, Scott can just wallow in my misery or, or celebrate my misery in some ways. Listen, as much as I I don't like the Warriors, I am a realist and I do I do see things as they are. Gary Payton Jr. should be coming back by the finals. Otto Porter, I know people are like, oh my gosh, we lost Otto. You got Kaminga just waiting in the way. What type of why you get upset at you got Kaminga waiting for you? Like you know, and I, I have you know, if Boston had any type of consistency, I would be confident, but they don't know one night they're the best team in the NBA and the next night they don't even look like they know what they're doing. So you know, consistency will always trump talent, I feel like, especially when it comes down to this time of year. Uh, it is what it is. I've already accepted that they're probably going to win their fourth. I'm just not going to be a happy camper this month. I am so not sorry about any of that. <laughs> I'm thrilled for me, and I feel great for your pain that you're about to endure for the next two weeks. I just hope Clay Thompson averages like 40 points a game. That way Steph doesn't get another finals MVP. Well, the streak or could be Draymond broken this averages year. averages like a triple. See, that's what I don't want. Let Draymond average like a, oh no, actually, I like Draymond. I dislike Draymond more than Steph. How about, um, how about Looney average like 25 rebounds a game? Give it to him. You know what? Why not? He could he do it. He should have got the Western Conference one for real. Hmm. Because let me t- let me tell you, the center was the difference. I mean, think about it. DeAndre Ayton didn't do that, but Looney Looney was the difference. You take Looney out and them twenty five rebounds. We about to, hey, we about to have a whole NBA chat. Let me stop. Let me let me not even get going. Let me not even get going. This is a, don't nobody care about my NBA feelings. Let's go, LeBron. We'll see y'all next year. Two years. <laughs> two years yeah three maybe no, Bronny be like show. out of high school by then he can join his son back in Cleveland to end no, his we're coming back strong next year we're getting rid of Russ we're shipping him out we're shipping a couple of these other old guys out we're going to keep Melo though we're going to come back next year we're coming back strong well we hope that Scott's correct I don't think he is but you got to have hopes out here, and I appreciate that. But Lakers ain't winning nothing next year, for the record. Oh. just want to clarify that. They won't be winning anything anytime soon. And with that, that's a wrap on all things WWE this week. To end on a basketball-related note, as we celebrate the Warriors going back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2019, may they win and may Scott's misery be increased tenfold. So for myself, Warriors, the Warriors suck. <laughs> and he will have the last word. So for myself and for Scott, noted Warrior supporter, oh that's God. a wrap on all things WWE. Take care. <laughs>